Solar energy and weatherization are solid bets to reduce monthly utility bills. The problem is, even with generous federal tax credits, the cost of installing solar panels or even paying for better insulation falls beyond the reach of those those most burdened by utility bills. To make matters worse, Wisconsin law makes it nearly impossible for renters to take advantage of new energy technologies. Out in River Falls, Wisconsin, the West Central Community Action Agency, better known as WestCap, has found a way around the legal obstacles and is providing low-income households with cheap, renewable energy. Peter Kildee is the executive director for WestCap, and he joins us now by phone. Welcome to the 8 O'Clock Buzz. Well, good morning, Brian. Good morning. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you, Peter. So um, tell us about uh, the project that WestCap has been working on uh, with the the multifamily development that you're working on that is solar-powered. Well, there's a couple of elements to this. One is the, you know, the project that we're, that you're referring to is 1300 in River Falls that uh, was featured in Cap Times and, and has been uh, somewhat in the news is only one of several projects that we've been doing with the Girards. We're on about our eighth project at this point. Uh, this is the first one where we really pushed the envelope on basically on-site renewable energy and energy conservation systems uh, throughout the building. So this building has, it's a 50-unit building. It's all uh, for people that are between 80% of county median income and 30% of county median income. So that's really low-income folks. And we're able to make the whole thing work in part because we're generating uh, a good portion of the energy of this entire building, it's an all-electric building, is generated on-site with 580 solar panels on the roof, another 36 uh, out on these smart flowers right next to the street. So when all of that's working right, first year we got about 60% of the energy um, from the on-site solar that we were doing for this building. Uh, (laughs) The next winter was kind of a perfect storm for uh, horrible conditions for rooftop solar. It was snow and then ice and snow and ice, so we lost some production there, and uh, production was down quite a bit. But the building designed ultimately to be about 70% self-sufficient. What this means, of course, is that we are able to uh, control our operating costs in the building. And it's, you know, probably saves uh, upwards of, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year when everything's working right. And so we've been able to take what was initially very affordable rents in this uh, project anyway, and we're in our third year now without a rent increase. So it, uh, you know, it's in, in some ways the, the gift that keeps on giving, I guess, here at Christmas time. And, you know, ultimately, um, the math problem is that, yes, it it does cost considerably more money to uh, build this way. But at the same time, we look at all of these improvements relative to what would be building to standard building code and think that will pay for itself even with, you know, constant energy prices, you know, in about seven or eight years. As energy prices go up, it would even be a quicker payback. And then for the next 
you know, 25 years, we've got free energy unless they can figure out how to meter sunlight or ambient energy from the air. So anyway, that's a bit of an overview. Uh, we're doing, we have another project, 50 unit that's somewhat similar that's constructed in um, New Richmond called Dakota Meadows. And we're working on our 60-unit project right now in Eau Claire called Prairie Heights. So, you know, we uh, here in Madison, we've got apartment buildings going up all the time, and very few of them, if any, have uh, solar panels on the roofs. Why isn't everybody doing this? I mean, especially with a relatively short payoff. You talk about, you know, a seven- or eight-year payoff for the installation. That's pretty short for a capital project. Why aren't we seeing more of these? Well, uh, that's a pretty good question. I think, you know, the main reason is that these are incredibly complex projects to put together and funders are in a sort of business-as-usual mode where they like to see, you know, payoffs quicker. They like to see less capital up front because they see that as risk and, and the programs just aren't designed very well to support this kind of thing. And we we really did push the envelope on this particular project and have been very pleased to see that from the Public Service Commission to WIDA, who controls a lot of the programs and, and awards like tax credits that support this kind of thing, are looking at, in some cases, actually changing their rules to make this work better. But again, if you're looking at, uh, you know, basically the model that has been responsible for just about all the affordable housing projects, you just couldn't get that kind of capital up front. So how I have to give a shout out to our local utility. Um, The River Falls Municipal Utility allowed us to use a single meter on this building, which means we can use building-wide systems like uh, commercial air source heat pumps, variable flow refrigerant, all kinds of technical stuff, you know, that, that do make the thing work. But you know, no one else had done that um, in this kind of scale that we know of in Wisconsin. So, you know, I just sort of figured, well, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and we were able to convince our funders and, and folks to, to go out in the limb, out a limb a little bit. But now that it's up and people have seen the way that it operates, the numbers work, folks in the beginning, our financiers and whatnot, who were kind of skeptical and gave the thing uh, a bit of a shot because our agency has had a lot of history with these kind of technologies. Um, now that they see it work, you know, they've many of them have come around to be our, our greatest supporters. So are there backup systems in place? I mean, you mentioned that last year was, uh, was not as productive um, due to snow cover and, and other atmospheric conditions. Uh, um, what happens in those circumstances? Do you have um, access to the, the regular grid? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, on the technology of this, this whole building is grid-tied completely. So, um, you know, the metering arrangement is, you know, on some super high-generation days, the facility produces more energy than it uses. It goes back to the grid. If it produces less, uh, we draw from the grid. So uh, it's very much tied into the utility. It's not a freestanding building at all, and none of these would be. So are the bills uh, for the building, are they fairly variable based on weather conditions, or have you figured out a way to sort of stabilize that? Well, 
the way we operate the building is that those operating costs uh, are entirely absorbed by the management and the owners. You know, we deal with all utilities um, and renters, the, the people that live there, have no energy charge on their rent. So, uh, you know, that's how we control the variability. We can, you know, just by managing cash flow across the year, and, you know, we pay more uh, at some periods for that. We pay more for lawn care at other periods, you know. Uh, we just manage the uh, income and revenue, and that, that's all planned into the operating budget. So, so what what projects are you working on next? What's the are you are you looking to expand this model yourself, or perhaps to improve on it? Well, that's a very good question, Brian. And uh, one of the most exciting projects that we have in the pipeline is uh, we're looking at a fifty-unit project in Ellsworth, which um, is again primarily sort of workforce housing. It's you know eighty percent of county median income and unless there's some support in there for, again, very low income, disabled vets, and that kind of thing. Um, But in that project, we acquired quite a bit of land, and we are looking at um, trying to get to net zero energy. So across the year, that project would generate essentially 100% of the energy it takes uh, to keep the buildings warm, and, you know, they're also air-conditioned, and plug load that's in everybody's apartment is part of that. And we're working, uh, we just had a long meeting with the electric provider for that, which is Pierce Pep and Co-op. And again, they have a little bit more flexibility on the uh, single metering issue that we talked about that's kind of a big deal than the investor-owned utilities. So that's an advantage. And we uh, are designing the building right now. It's fully funded, and we expect expect to start construction in June. So that's a very exciting project. If we can get to net zero, I think, uh, you know, this would be a a first for Wisconsin, especially for anything that size. And and one of the first around the country, this will be a big deal. A lot of, uh, you know, there's been some criticism uh, from uh, climate change skeptics and others about the benefits of solar power and the ability to deploy it in uh, particularly colder climates. But it seems like if you can get to net zero in some place like Wisconsin, you should be able to do that anywhere. Well, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's been part of this is we're also learning as we go. You know, we're, we're sort of pioneers in some of this in some extent. So, you know, the way we did this rooftop array i talked about you know last year a couple of months we got nothing because it was all buried in snow and ice so a big part of the production we're looking at in ellsworth will be ground mounted and able to be uh, adjusted for season so in the winter time they're almost uh, perpendicular and the snow falls off Um, i happen to try to (laughs) walk the talk live in a little farm that produces 70% of its energy off a solar array like that, that my daughter and I just go out and crank the array um, about every six weeks to get the angle right. And then, you know, we also bought into the community solar of our uh, little co-op. So we're able to get about 90, 92% of the energy for the farm is free. And it's the the same idea that we're trying to uh, deploy over there Again, you know, the big barrier is the upfront cost. So what we really need to do is just change the financing model. But at the end of the day, 
Again, our financiers like this model because it also controls for variability and volatility in energy prices over the life of the project. So it actually increases the um, ability of that project to be stable and to control its cost going forward when other projects will be very subject to what's uh, almost certain to be increasing energy prices as the climate crisis works. So that's kind of our argument on it anyway. <laughs> so uh, last week we spoke with uh, Dan Emanuel from the National uh, Low Income Housing Coalition. We were talking about the low income housing tax credit. And yeah. uh, is that a significant part of uh, how Westcap is able to produce affordable housing? And do you think that that's the best tool for the future or are there other things that we need to look at? Well, I think it's been a very good tool. Um, you know, it's, it's a little complex, you know, in Wisconsin, the entire state, you know, gets enough to maybe do 10, 12, 15 projects a year, depending on the size of the project. And according to the National Income, you know, Housing Coalition, the need for affordable housing rental in Wisconsin is short about 125,000 units. So it works pretty well. It's not scaled sufficiently to meet the need, and that's limited in terms, you know, by Congress. Um, it's not driven by any particular need uh, formula or anything like that. So that's a little bit of a problem. And then we also, you know, we probably tapped eight or nine different funding sources to make these projects work. We use federal home funds. We get help from Focus on Energy. We get uh, got big help from uh, the city of River Falls with uh, TIF district financing. Same thing in uh, New Richmond. So uh, the, the complex projects, and I think, you know, the best thing that could happen would be a, a more streamlined system that was more based on, you know, what the real need is and not just some kind of compromise that comes out of Congress. But um, as a mechanism, you know, again, going forward, uh, it's not too bad. And, you know, it it provides some help both for the local communities and, you know, the investors come out okay with the tax savings and, and all of that. So the mechanism, um, imperfect, but, you know, it, it, it works. We've been able to make it work. All right. We've been speaking with Peter Kildee, Executive Director of WestCap. For more information, you can go to uh, westcap.org. Peter Kildee, thank you so much for joining us on the 8 o'clock buzz. Well, very happy to talk with you, Brian. Appreciate the interest.